It is so wonderful to have you all in the house of God this morning, and uh, we give glory to God. It's always a joy to be in the presence of the Lord. And I want to thank you all for coming this morning and for allowing God to bless you this morning. You know, God always has a blessing, but he has locations where those blessings are found. That is why he said to the disciples, he said, go to Jerusalem and tarry until you receive power from on high. He could have given them the blessing where he met them, but there was a location that that blessing was destined. And so this morning as we hear this, I want to believe that God has brought you here today so that he can bless you. Amen. Before then, let's read the scripture. The scripture of today, we're going to read two scriptures. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 to 10. And we're going to read Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, 8 to 10. The Bible says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he will later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And let's read Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. Genesis chapter 12. The Bible says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household, and I will give and I will show you where to, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you will I curse. And all people of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lord went with him. Abraham was 70, 75 years old when he set out of Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lord, and all possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out of the land of Canaan. And he arrived there. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise this morning. We give you glory. We give you honor, Adonai. We bless you for the privilege to be under your feet to listen to your word. Thank you this morning for all that you're going to do for us. Speak your word to our hearts. Let our faith be boosted this morning. May we be encouraged this morning. May we be blessed as we leave this place. May we not go back the way we came. Thank you, ancients of days. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning on the topic, trusting God in the journey. Trusting God in the journey. I want to let you know that life is a journey that must be traveled no matter how the roads are, no matter how you feel. Life is a journey. Anything you're doing in life is a journey. Everything in life is a journey. Your marriage is a journey. Your career is a journey. Your spiritual life is a journey. Whatever you are doing today and whatever you are doing now is a journey. Where you are today is not where you used to be yesterday. And where you will be tomorrow is not where you are going to be today. 
So everything about your life is a journey. The only thing that is constant in life is change. The only thing that is permanent in life is change. Everything in your life is going to change. Your finances are going to change. Your career is going to change. Your job is going to change. Your marriage is going to change. Your relationship status is going to change because everything in life is a journey. Hallelujah. We are on a journey. I say, I am on a journey. Can you tell us, I am on a journey. I am on a journey. That is to say, don't look at me today and judge me based on where I am. I am on a journey. You don't know my destiny. You don't know my destination. You don't know where God is taking me to. I am on a journey. I may not look like the person you like today. I may not be impressive today. I may not be who you want me to be today. But I want to tell you, I am on a journey. When Joseph told his brothers that he had a dream, his brothers despised him because they didn't know that a young man was on a journey. When, when Samuel went to the house of Jesse to anoint one of Samuel's uh, sons, one of Jesse's sons as kings, he asked them to present themselves before the Samuel to, to be anointed. They despised David. Because David did not have the appearance of a king. He was a shepherd boy. But little did they know that he was on a journey. There are people that may despise you today, look down on you today, because they don't know that you are on a journey. Until I get to my destination, you can't know what God will do for me next. Because I am on a journey. Tell yourself again, I am on a journey. I am on a journey. In the name of Jesus. Now, when we go to this text that we read this morning, from the time that God created man, God created man, he put man in the garden of Eden. He told man to cultivate the garden. He told man to take care of the garden. But man failed. It is also said that when God gave the instruction to Adam to take care of the garden, Eve was not present. Eve was not present at all. Some preachers have, have even suggested that all the instructions that God gave to man about the garden and everything he was supposed to do, the woman was not present. It was after God looked at man and said, it is not good for man to be alone. Then God created the woman and said, he's going to be a help meet. In other words, she's going to be the one to help man in keeping the promises that God gave to him. But as we read in the text, Adam failed when he he, he failed in transmitting the instructions that God gave him to the wife. And the serpent came, tempted Eve, and Eve ate the fruit, gave it to Adam, and Adam ate, and he failed. So from that time, God has been looking for a strategy to bring man back to himself. Wickedness only continued in their time. Cain and Abel were designers of Adam and Eve. And we read last week how Cain killed Abel because Abel offered a more pleasing sacrifice unto the Lord. Instead of him trying to do better, for example, if I come to church and I see somebody giving God $5,000, it is not for me to be jealous. It's for me to pray that God will also bless me so I can come to the place where I can also give God $5,000. But some people, instead of praying that God will also bless them, they get jealous. They get angry. They get offended. Why must he give $5,000? Is he the only one in that church? Why? What does he want to show? Instead of taking a challenge to do better, Cain got jealous and killed his brother. Then we come to the dispensation of Noah. When the iniquity continued to increase, the Bible says in the days of Noah, Noah was preaching to the people. Like the Bible says in the book of Matthew, that 
The last days will be like the days of Noah, where people were eating and drinking, giving to marriage. There was great sin in the land. And God told Noah to build an ark. The Bible says for 120 years, Noah preached to the people, but nobody repented. Uh, I was thinking about this. Imagine that you have a church and you're preaching for 120 years. <laughs> no member coming to your church. No convert. I mean, we don't look at those things in the Bible. But yet, the Bible says Noah walked with God. He was a righteous man. He preached for 120 years. The only member of his church was his wife and his children and their wives. Even the neighbors did not believe in Noah. Nobody around believed in him. The Bible says even when the rain started to fall, the people did not still believe that what Noah was saying was true. Until when floods came, and the ark was closed. Maybe that is when they started saying, oh, if we knew that what this man up the street was saying was true, we should have gotten ourselves into the ark. And then, wickedness increased. We, we read about the Torah of Babel in Genesis chapter 6, how the people said, we are going to build a tower that will go up to heavens. And they call it Red Babel because Babel means rebellion. They wanted to rebel against God, saying, hey, we are going to come to you, God, if you don't come down to us. We are going to build a city so come right up to, to where you are. And God confused their language. And this thing continued. And now God decided that I'm going to choose one man. That through this man, I am going to make myself known to the earth. Then that's when we read he called Abraham. The Bible says he said to Abraham, leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. But it is interesting in the Bible, if you read your Bible clearly, in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31, you will realize that Abraham's father, Terah, took his family and left the, the land of all of the, the Chaldeans. And he set, he set for Canaan. But he was going to Canaan. When he got to Haran, he stopped there. It means that this desire to get out of his family and go to another land did not start with Abraham. He started with Abraham's father. But when he got to Haran, he stopped there. And he, didn't, he never continued. The reason why Abraham started a journey and finished is because he was called. Listen, any man can start anything. The difference between a man who starts something and finishes is the call of God upon their lives. Amen. Is somebody hearing me? Yes, Abraham's father started a journey to Canaan but never finished because God did not call him. But when Abraham took off from Haran, he was able to make it to Canaan, the promised land, because he had a call from the Lord. May I prophesy to you this morning, you will not start anything without finishing it. I say you will not start anything without finishing it. Because the hand of the Lord is upon you. The hand of God is upon you. You will not start anything without finishing it. The Bible says whatever your hands touch, it shall prosper. In the name of Jesus. It says, leave your father's house to a country that I will show you. Now, in, in the ancient times, a man was identified by three things. His family, his, his land, and his country. So, I will say, where I will say I'm a Cameroonian. I come from Mengala family, and I have land, so I have cows. That is how people identify themselves at that time. So, when, when God came to Abraham and said, leave your father's house. Number one, he says, leave your country. That's what God said to Abraham. Number two, leave your father's house, your kindred. Leave this land and go to a land that I will show you. What was God saying to Abraham? I am cutting you off from your family, 
your inheritance, your country, and I'm taking it to another land. That is why he said, to a land that I will show you, because God was taking Abraham off that land. Abraham being the first son of Terah, he was supposed to inherit everything his father had. He was supposed to be the one to continue the family name and continue to uh, propagate the progress of everything his father, his father was working for. So when the Lord says, leave your father's house, God is saying to Abraham, give up that inheritance you're looking for from your father. Come out from your family. Come out from your country and go to a land that I am going to show you. That is why God promised Abraham another land. Because Abraham was giving up the land he should have inherited from his father. So God said, in the place of the land that you were hoping to get from Terah, I am giving you something much more better. Is somebody hearing me? A land flowing with milk and honey. Your father's land may have cows and have palms and have rubber, but I'm going to take you to another land that flows with milk and honey. I want you to think about what people thought about Abraham. Like, Abraham, where are you going to? I don't know. But you have a U-Haul truck in your door, packing everything in your house, and your couches, everything. You're telling them, neighbors are moving well. It was nice being in this neighborhood. I'm living. So, Abraham, where exactly are you going? Are you going to North Carolina? Is it Maryland? I don't know. Now, I want you to think about if it was in this dispensation today, you live in Aspen or in Manassas or in Woodbridge or in Dumfries, and suddenly there's a U-Haul truck in front of your door. You're packing everything to move. And your neighbor say, where are you going? You say, I don't know. They're going to think, number one, that you're insane. Number two, that you're foolish. Abraham, you're leaving your six-figure paying job here in Virginia. Where are you going to? I don't really know. You've been working for the government with all these benefits. You have 401k, you have TSP, you have all these savings, pay time off, uh, paid vacation, maternity leave. Abraham, you're leaving this job. Where are you going? I don't know, but I'm leaving. I want you to picture what Abraham did when he obeyed God. But he left. Like I said, the consequences were great because he recovered from his family. The inheritance that he should have received from Terah, he received no more. He's coming out from his father's house, meaning that from now on, Abraham will not be attending any family meeting, no tribal meeting, no Cameroon meeting, no whatever meeting, Ivorian meeting, Ghanaian meeting. He's no longer going to be attending. He's coming out completely to a land that he did not know. And the Lord said to him, I will make you a great nation. Listen, there is no instruction in the Bible without a benefit. And there is no benefit without sacrifice. Anytime God wants you to do something for him, or anytime God wants to do something great for you, God is going to ask, make an instruction. Anytime God wants to increase your finances or God wants to change your level, God is going to demand a sacrifice from you. Now, it is foolish to think that you're going to wake up one morning and see your life change without any sacrifice. Something has to change for things to change for you. I said something has to change for things to change for you. Every blessing in the Bible is attached to a condition. Every blessing you can ever think of in the Bible has a condition. Even salvation, you have to believe. God does not just come and give people salvation like rain. Like it's going to fall on you whether you like it or not. For you to be saved, you have to believe. There is no blessing in the Bible without a condition. Every blessing in the Bible always has a condition. 
And God said to Abraham, I will make you great. I will make you a great nation. In other words, God was saying to Abraham, I asked you just to leave your family. But because you left your family, I will not just give you another family. I'm going to give you a nation. Is somebody hearing me? I asked you to leave your father's house. But in the place of your father's house, I'm going to make you a family, a nation. And that many people on the earth are going to be blessed through you because you left your father's house. What is it that God is calling you to leave? What sacrifice is God calling you to make? That sacrifice has a blessing attached to it. If you obey, you're going to see the blessing. And the Lord said to Abraham, I will bless them that bless you. And I will curse them that curse you. This was the greatest security because back in the day, men were defended by their families. Like you read in the Bible when Lot was captured by the kings of Sodom and the other kings who were, who were allied to the kings of Sodom, Abraham went to defend Lot to bring his nephew back because back in, the, in those days, if you went into trouble, it was your family that fought for you. But now God is telling Abraham, leave your father's house, leave your country, leave your kingdom. It means that separate from your uncles, your aunts, and everybody. So if I get into trouble tomorrow, who do I call? If I get into problems tomorrow, who do I call? If I'm attacked by some foreign countries, who do I call? But God tells Abraham in this text, don't worry about your uncle. Don't worry about your defense. I will bless them that bless you. And I will curse them that curse you. In other words, if any man wants to fight with you, he's not going to fight with you, he's going to fight with me. This was the greatest security that God gave to Abraham. Transgenerational security. Like I said, God promised to bless him, not only him, but bless his descendants after him. Do you know, even till today, when it comes to Air Force, there is no nation in the world that is stronger in the air than Israel. All countries, I even heard that the, the, the Air Force general for the United States and Israelite, because when it comes to the air, as small as they are, they are the strongest nation in war in the air. God promised that any nation that fights this nation, I will fight them. That is why even though Israel is small, it's powerful. Because the promises of God are yea and amen. When God says it, he's going to keep that promise till the end. And the Bible says, Abraham departed and Lord went with him. Now it is, it is interesting from this text when the Bible says, Lord went with him. Lord probably saw that my uncle has a future. This man hears from God. There is no way I will see a man that God has blessed and I don't follow. I'm going to follow this man because there is a guarantee that if I follow this man, the blessing that come upon him will come upon me. That's what happened to Lot. He was able to perceive that the hand of God was upon his uncle. Now watch who you follow. Because who you follow determines where you will end up tomorrow. Watch who you follow even on Facebook. Watch who you follow even in real life. There are some people that when you follow them, it always goes well for you. I was talking to somebody the other day at the, uh, in, on, on Facebook, and he says, I used to work with you at the airport. You left the airport, you went to security. Few months after, you were no longer doing security, you started doing cabling. And I said, and now I hear that you work with another company. Said, I'm going to follow you, man of God, because it looks like everything you do prospers. You better start following, because I'm going to somewhere. People are able to perceive when the hand of God is over your life. And that is why Abraham, that is what Lot saw. 
my uncle is not ordinary. This man hears from God. For him to say, I am going to somewhere else, this man must surely be going to something better than this land. And Lot told his family, hey, if you guys want to stay, you stay, but I'm going with my uncle. The Bible says he followed. And if you read the Bible, you know how God blessed Lot because he followed Abraham. Hallelujah. It is good to follow. Jesus Christ said to the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you want to be somebody in the future, you must learn how to follow. Most people want to become leaders, but never follow. They want to become great, but never follow. They want to become uh, uh, shining stars, but never follow. For you to come to a place where you can be celebrated, you must have been a follower. There is no leader who was never a follower. The way to become a leader is to follow. When you follow, then God is going to make you the man or the woman he has called you to be. Hallelujah. There are three things I want to share with you this morning if you are going to trust God in the journey. Like I said, I am in a journey. You are in the journey. But how do I trust God in this journey? Number one, obedience. Obedience. Follow instruction. Now let me paint a picture for you. Whenever you take a flight, you take a flight, whether it's United Airlines, whether it's Spirit Air, my sister-in-law was telling me that they never take spirit air because they are not, they are not faithful. You have frontier where you, you fly and uh, you have to be at the airport. Sometimes your seat is not secure because if you go there late, they may tell you the plane is booked because they overbook on United Airlines and all these airlines. But there's one thing that is common. When you step into the plane, that plane is on a journey. But for that plane to arrive the destination, everybody has to follow instructions. Sometimes there is a girl who is younger than you. There is a short girl who is shorter than you. She stands on the aisle. She takes a piece of paper and she tells you the exit is on this door. If something happens, put the marks on your face. Everybody has to listen because if we don't listen, we will not get to the destination. And a few minutes after that, everybody buckle your seatbelt. Now, if you say, well, I'm not going to buckle my seatbelt. Who are you to talk to me like that, small girl? You will definitely not make it to your destination. Many people do not make it to where God has called them to be because they don't follow instructions. God is saying, do this. And you hear it, but you don't want to follow. God is saying, go left. You don't want to go left. God is saying, stand. You don't want to stand. God is saying, fast. You don't like fasting. God is saying, pray. You don't like prayer. God is saying, give. You don't like giving. God is saying, do this. You don't, you don't want to do it. There is no way you are going to arrive at your destination in this journey if you don't follow instructions. For Abraham to have arrived the promised land, if you read the story of Abraham, he followed instructions. God appeared to Abraham so many times and gave him instructions. If you are going to arrive where God has called you to go, you must follow instructions. If you look at David and Saul, the difference between David and Saul David, even though he committed so many sins, the reason why he was able to finish his mission as a king and had a smooth transition to his son Solomon is because he followed instructions. But all, unlike Saul, God said to Saul, when you go for war, don't bring anything back alive, destroy everything. Saul selected some of the animals from the sheep that he was interested in and brought back, brought back the king Agag with him. And when Samuel said to Saul, did I not say that I don't bring anything back alive? He said, I selected these ones for the sacrifice. 
God is not interested in sacrifice. All God said is, don't bring anything back alive. And because of that, he was rejected as king. Even though he sat on the throne for so many years, in the spirit realm, that throne was empty for a long time because God had rejected Saul as king. If you are going to become the man that God has called you to be, if you are going to become the woman that God has called you to be, you must learn to follow instructions. Hallelujah. You must learn to follow instructions. The reason why Joseph had a dream, he went through a journey, he was in prison, he was accused wrongly. The reason why Joseph was able to become the man that God had shown him he was going to be was because he followed instructions. In the house of Potiphar, when he was being seduced, he said, how can I do such a wicked thing in the eyes of God? He escaped the persecution. And even though he was thrown into jail, he continued to serve the Lord, to obey the Lord, and God brought him to the throne as a prime minister. If you don't follow instructions, you will never arrive where God has called you to be. Now, let me ask you a question. When every child is born, and you ask that child, what do you want to become in life? Nobody says, I want to drive Uber. Nobody says that. Nobody says, I want to be a cleaner. They think, I want to be a lawyer, a doctor, a pilot, a, a, you know, great things. A magistrate, an, a, an astronaut. They, they give you, I want to work at NASA. I want to be a scientist. They give you all these things. I want to be a teacher, a professor in a college and all these things. But meet the same child in high school and ask the child again, what do you want to become? The story begins to change because now, based on how life is turning out, their confessions begin to change. One of the things that changes what God calls a man to be is the inability to follow instructions. Like God is telling my son, I need you to wake up every morning at five and pray. But that one hour prayer is so difficult for you, but as you fail to do that, you are destroying the destiny that God has for you. Failure to obey the instructions that God is giving to you is reducing your destiny. So every time you disobey, maybe God has destined you to be a president, for example. Every time you disobey, you come down to prime minister. You disobey, you become a senator. You disobey, become a congressman. You disobey, become a mayor. You disobey, become a quarterhead. You disobey, become a local champion. Your disobedience reduces you every day, every day. So the more you obey, the more you assure your destiny. Tell somebody, obey the law. Tell somebody, obey the law. Number two, keep your eyes on God. If you are going to make it to the destiny, to the destination where God is calling you to be, keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It says, who for the joy that was set before him, he despised the shame and endured the cross. Looking unto Jesus, that is what the Bible says, if we are going to succeed in who God has called us to be, we have to look unto Jesus. Don't look unto man. Don't look unto your job. Don't look unto your family. Don't look unto the crisis you're going through. Don't look at your pain, your troubles. Don't look at your background. Look unto Jesus. One of the major things that the devil uses in the life of great Christians is distraction. The devil cannot stop you from where God has called you to go. The devil cannot oppose your destiny. The devil cannot stop what God is doing in your life. But this is what the devil does. 
He brings distractions. Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, in a race, everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize. He says, run as the one who desires to win. Now, if you watch Olympic Games, when you have, when you have the 200 and 100 meters, there are instructions that are given. You have to run on your lane. You cannot go out of your lane because if you go out of your lane, you're disqualified. You have to run on your lane. Now, when they say on oh, your max, get set and go. While you are running, even if you saw your mother who just came from Africa, you cannot stop running. While you are running, even if you saw a bag of money on the side, you cannot stop running. You have to put your eyes on the future. Because if you get distracted, you are going to miss the mark of that crown. But what do we, many of us are running, and we look on the side, we see an old friend, we, we stop the race. Hey, man, how are you doing? The race is, is going. Before you know it, others are won. They've gone ahead. Distractions. And I was talking about this on Friday, and we're praying for discipline. One of the things that the devil uses, like I said, in the, to, to hinder the spirituality of many Christians is distractions. You have people that are praying, and during prayer, they are browsing their phones. La, ba, 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 ba. They are screwing their phones and they are speaking in tongues. You are praying, you are deeply in the spirit, and a friend, an old friend that, has, that cannot even refer you for a job, begins to ring your phone. You pause your prayer to go answer a call from that friend. You have people that in the middle of a church service, hot prayer is going on. You see them going out to answer a call. What are you really trying to answer? Who can give you anything that God cannot give you? Distraction. If you are going to become the man that God has called you to be, you have to stay away from distraction. Don't let anything distract you. Many have been distracted because of their pain. Many have been distracted because of their crisis. Many have been distracted because of difficulties. Many have been distracted because of relationship difficulties, family issues, family crises. They become distracted. But when you understand that God is calling you to something greater than you, don't allow anything you're going through to stop where God is taking you to. Is anybody hearing me? Don't allow anything to distract you. Don't allow your pain to distract you. Don't allow your family to distract you. Don't allow the circumstances you see now to distract you from where God is taking you to. Hallelujah. I'm on a journey. Tell somebody I am on a journey. I say, tell somebody I am on a journey. Hallelujah. Don't allow anything you're going through right now to be a distraction to you. God is taking you to somewhere. God is taking you to somewhere. God is taking you to somewhere. Where you are today is not where you'll be tomorrow. In five years from now, you will not be in the same place. You will not be earning the same money. You will not be staying in the same house. God is taking you to somewhere. Don't allow the things you see or the things you feel or the pain in your family to distract you from where God is taking you to. Your future is great. Your destiny is secure. As long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, you will surely make it. Listen. The reason why all these men in the Bible, whether it was Joseph or Abraham, were able to make it to their destination because their eyes were on God. The Bible says Abraham was living in a land like a stranger because he was not so focused on the land. He was looking for something beyond that land. There was something much more for Abraham than his location. There was something much more for Abraham than where he was. Hallelujah. You are on a journey. Where you are today is not your destination. 
God has somewhere greater than where you are for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Number three, if you are going to make it to your destination on this journey, focus on your destination. Hallelujah. Focus on your destination. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 10, like I said, Abraham lived in the land. He built tents. He, he did not build concrete houses. He lived in tents because he always knew that this is not where God has come to be. This is not a place that looks like land flowing with milk and honey. So he did not build a permanent structure because Abraham was always on the go. His eyes were set on the destination. Is somebody hearing me? Yes. The reason why Jesus was able to finish and was crowned with glory, like the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, looking unto Jesus, it says, the author and finisher of our faith. It says, who for the joy that was set before him. Meaning that when he was going through all the pain on the cross, he saw a joy ahead of him. That is why he was able to go through the persecution, through the hardship, and through all the problems. When you are able to see the destiny that God has for you, all the things you go through now will not mean anything. Is anybody hearing me? If you are able to see what God has in the future for you, even the conflicts you have today at your job, the conflicts in your marriage, the conflicts in your business, the conflicts and the things you experience today will not mean anything because God has something greater than today. The Apostle Paul says the glory that will be revealed cannot be compared with the present circumstances. The glory that will be revealed cannot be compared with what I feel. The glory that will be revealed cannot be compared with what I see. Focus on the destination. Hallelujah. Focus on the destination. The Israelites did not make it into the promised land. Why? They didn't see the destination. They were always thinking about Egypt. When they had any little difficulties with Moses, they said, Moses, in Egypt we had garlic, we had cucumber. We had grapes that if we died, we should have been buried. You came and told us that God said we should go to a land flowing with milk. No, is this the land? They were not focused on their destination. They were always thinking about their present and their past. If you are going to make it on this journey that God has called you, you have to always look at the destination. Hallelujah. God did not bring you to this country to frustrate you. God did not bring you to this country to let you be in pain. God did not bring you to this country to bring you in shame. There is a destiny for you in this country. There is a promise for you in this country. Keep your eyes on that promise and keep going. Men may laugh at you. Men may mock at you. Men may look down on you. But keep your eyes on the destination. And the God who promised is able to also bring it to accomplishment. Amen. 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 The days are coming when you will have challenges. But remember they are your destination. Where you stay now is not your destination. Where you work now is not your destination. The salary you make now is not your destination. The friends you have now is not your destination. Everything around you is temporary. The only thing that is permanent is where God is taking you to. Amen. Hallelujah. You may not look like who God has called you to be. Put your eyes on the destination. You may not dress like the way you're supposed to dress. Put your eyes on the destination. You may not stay where you want to stay. Put your eyes on the destination. You may not walk where you desire to walk. Put your eyes on the destination. God has something greater for you than where you're supposed to be. That is why. If you are a man who, are, who has been called by God with a great destiny, you must not be somebody that enjoys comfort zones. Remember back in the day when I got uh, an opportunity to work with a company out of security that I was doing. 
When I went for this interview and I told my friends, I said, hey, you know, security is kind of stable. It's a job that you always have. You know, there's nothing like black days and things like that. You, you, where you're going is risky. And they discouraged me from going. I took this job. There were days I worked four days a week. And then Friday will be a black day. I don't get paid. But I had to leave my comfort zone. When I left that place, I had like $4 increase in my salary. But it was true that there were days I was not working. But I kept moving. I kept moving. And I was surprised that when I went back to the, some of the sites that I left, some of those guys that I left there are still working there. And now they're asking me to help them get to where I am. Why? Because they were not willing to leave their comfort zones. If you are going to get to where God has called you to go, you must be willing to make sacrifices. Painful sacrifices. Hallelujah. Painful sacrifices. You cannot live in comfort and be the man God has called you to be. You cannot live in comfort and attain the height that God has for you. You must be able to make some decisions that are painful, that look stupid for you to get to where God has called you to be. Abraham, where are you going? I don't know. You mean you're packing all these things with your family to where you don't know? Are you going to 95 North or 95 South or East? I don't really know. Abraham, why do you have your GPS? Nothing. I don't really know. So why are you going? Abraham, listen, we are neighbors. We've lived with you for a long time. You are a good man. You know, this decision you're making does not make sense. Think about your, your wife. She doesn't even have a child up to now. You guys have been patiently waiting for a child. Now you want to take her to, uh, to give her more stress that is going to complicate the process of her getting pregnant. Abraham, think about all these things. Why you go? I don't know. But the Bible says he heard from God. And what he heard was final. He got into the car. I mean, I don't know the horse or the chariot he had. Where are you going? Just keep going. Until he pitched his tent in the land of Canaan. That is why when God was giving the land of Canaan to the Israelites, it was not a new land. It was a land their father had before. Abraham already lived in that land before. God will promise that same land to the Israelites. Is anybody hearing me? So if anybody think that God was driving the people out of the land by wickedness, no. Abraham owned that land before. He had a title deed. So even when he died, it was still his land. So God gave it to his descendants. If you are going to be the woman that God has called you to be, make sacrifices. Hallelujah. Get out of your comfort zone. God will ask you to do some things that don't make any sense. But those things are going to be the reason for your celebration tomorrow. Hallelujah. What are we saying this morning? You are on a journey. Hallelujah. Don't look at yourself now and begin to feel some way. You know, one of the, one of the greatest deceptions in life is comparison. One of the greatest deceptions in life is comparison. I have learned never to compare myself with anybody, regardless of who they are, where they are. You compare yourself with, the, with yourself with other people by the car they drive, by the house they live, by their marriages, just because somebody wears the same clothes with their wife and take a picture and put on Facebook and write something sweet doesn't mean that they have a good marriage. Yes. Is anybody hearing me? Amen. We are deceived by these things we see on Facebook. Just because somebody puts a picture of a new house that they bought and everything, you start feeling like, oh, this my apartment is so small. And it's, no, Never compare yourself with anybody. Yes. We are all on a journey. You have your lane, you are driving. I have my lane. I have my speed, you have your speed. But we are going to somewhere. Never compare yourself with anybody. Never. Be contented with everything God has given to you and know that you are on a journey. That apartment you live today will not be your tomorrow. That car you drive today will not be your tomorrow. 
The crisis you see today will not be your tomorrow. The pain you feel today will not be your tomorrow. The conflicts you see in your family today will not be your tomorrow. You are on a journey. Tell yourself, I'm on a journey. Tell yourself, I am on a journey. journey. But if you are going to trust God on this journey, I said, number one, obey God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Like I said, distractions are going to come. You are there walking, being happy with your, maybe whatever money you're making. Then you see an old friend from high school. He says, I'm now, I live in uh, Ohio and I get paid $60 an hour. Now, what? I'm moving to Ohio. No, don't move. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because you may move to Ohio and end up losing your children. One of my colleagues was telling me how he moved to another state because he thought there was a, a, a promise there. When he got to that state after three months, came back home, saw his son smoking. He said from that day, that's when he knew that it was never God's will for him to move there. He packed his things and came back to Virginia. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Is anybody hearing me? Don't allow the things you see from other people be a distraction to you. Let your eyes be on Jesus. God who has promised, the Bible says, he's also able to bring it to accomplishment. Amen. The God we serve is a promise keeper. He's a covenant keeper. He's a reliable God. He's a faithful God. He's trustworthy. When he says it, he will also bring it to pass. God has never lied. He's not the son of man that he should repent. He is faithful to keep his promises. Hallelujah. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And lastly, think about your destination. Like I said, think about your destination. Listen, enjoy where you stay today because there's a day coming where you'll be complaining that this house is too big. I need people to help me clean. Now you say this apartment house is too tight. But there's a day coming you're like, oh, this basement, I need somebody to help me clean this basement because where you are today is not your destination. God has a future for you. I say God has a future for you. In Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, says, I know the plans that I have towards you. Plans to prosper you and to give you a future. This is not your future. There is a future for you. Hallelujah. If you believe in this word, stand on your feet, stand on your feet. Stand on your feet and begin to give God praise. Begin to give God praise. Because you are on a journey. I am 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 on a journey.